welcome back to the Parishioner's Banter Podcast. Uh, boys, uh, we, we skipped last week. There was a special episode that happened. Uh, so if you haven't, just real quick before you get into anything, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go back. Uh, but needless to say, it's been two weeks since we've recorded. Um, so fellas, how, how are we feeling? I'm feeling dandy. That's how I'm feeling. I don't know about you, Connor. It's a solid vocab word right there. Yeah, nice little old English yeah. flex. That's yeah, great. I'm feeling actually really great. Um, I I ran a 5K today, so that Whoa, was pretty awesome. That's great. Whoa, five kilometers? Yeah, bro. Oh, I was guessing it really is kilometers. Yeah, and so I uh, I wore my new trail shoes that my gracious and loving wife allowed me to purchase. How much were they? Um, after my discount at REI, shout out REI. Um, I think they're like maybe ninety bucks, something like that. What's yeah, the was original price? One forty. Yeah, I think with tax it was like ninety five or something like that, but um, yeah, that felt good. Um, found out that I don't know where the actual like dirt trails are near Riverwalk, and so <laughs> I, I found out the hard way today that uh, those shoes on concrete don't mix well together because I was in like severe pain, um, and like felt it. And they're also zero drop shoes, and for people who don't know what that means, it's uh, <clears throat> usually traditional shoes have a few uh, millimeters of stack height on the heel um that kind of like propel your foot to be more arched in the back right and so because there's zero drop um you're using a lot more muscles in your feet that you don't normally activate right and so i wanted to give up but then i saw this old lady power walking Mm. (laughs) like maybe a half mile ahead of me wow and i channeled all of my anger onto that woman and i was like she (laughs) she doesn't know we're racing but I'm going to beat her. Senior <laughs> Saints, man. There's something yeah. else. Well, well, we don't know if she was regenerate or not, but <laughs> I guess we can assume graciously. Wow. Dude, you know what? It doesn't matter what shoe I wear. Every time I walk or run, I start getting really bad cramps on my feet. I've always have since soccer. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I have plantar fasciitis. Yeah, I think I have lactose intolerance. Too. <laughs> reference, uh, at re- re- reference episode three about why I have... Uh, plantar fasciitis. Fauci, like the COVID guy? No, no. Remember we talked about my car accident yeah. and I had to kick my center <laughs> out? Every time I stand up, sometimes all these nerve things shoot up into my Like, there's a good chance I won't be able to walk at like 40 wow. or something. Boys, speaking about shoes, I want to bring something up. Okay. Uh, Connor and I, I think we're in the two, Pat. We were talking about how we like to present our shoes, especially white shoes. Currently wearing some Converse, some uh, white high top Converse. And on the side, I was playing some soccer after church, and there's some uh, yellow stains on the side. And I remember little, Connor. Did you pee on them? No, 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 no I didn't. Uh, not, not, not hey, these. Sometimes we get a little leakage every now. I know, but not, not these shoes. Um, but I remember Connor saying that he prefers his white bands with some dirt on them. He oh, wants character. some dirt. One thousand percent. Can you explain why? It it tells a story. That's how I have up my Adidas Continentals, baby. Yeah, thousand wow. percent. So I agree. Like the first couple stains are rough, especially on a brand new, like fresh pair of white mm-hmm. bands, mm-hmm. Um, because that's like the initial like downhill descent mm-hmm. into cool like cafe barista vibes. And I think that's really why what it is for me is that I, I peg a lot of my personality on being a barista. Gotcha. Um, and it's not healthy. It's incredibly toxic. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just feel like all the cool people that I want to be like have dirty white vans. Okay. And 
I'm a follower at heart. What can I say? Yeah, I remember uh, when I got my first pair of white shoes. They were like Air Force Ones, I think. And uh... <laughs> I can't imagine you in a pair of Air Force. It was, it was a different. It was a different life. <laughs> um, guys, we are. Uh, I like to say we're journalistic guys. You know, we're 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 radio hosts, yeah. right? On this big, on this big program, we read articles throughout the week. Uh, and there was a special article uh, that came up this week. Um, and uh, for the listeners who don't know, a few contextualization type things here. Uh, Desiring God uh, is a ministry uh, that provides theological resources under the leadership of this small uh, professor-esque guy. You may know him, you may not. His name is John Piper. Uh, and an article was posted this week uh, by a guy named Greg Morse uh, called O oh Beard, Where Art Thou? on Desiring wow. God's website. Uh, and uh, I believe it's satirical, you know? Uh, but it's one of those satires that uh, feels a little too real, <laughs> if I might <laughs> add. Uh, so what I'm going to do, uh, for those of you who don't have a journalistic background... Uh, Every article usually has something called uh, block quotes where uh, specific quotes are outlined on the side of the article uh, that sum up the larger uh, the larger piece. Right. And so I'm going to read both the two uh, the two block quotes and then I'm going to turn it over to my friends here to read some of their favorite parts. Um, And, you know, I'm not bearded. I've got a little scruff on the face working on it. Uh, Dayling is more bearded than I am, uh, but Connor is a uh, full-blown mountain man. <laughs> so he's, he's the man in this group. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say this. Uh, so here's the first quote. Uh, this is probably my um, my personal favorite. If you walk according to your God-given masculinity, you are a bearded man. Whether you have hair or not on your face or not. Now, this is where we, you know, right? This is he's reaching in to some scriptures here, specifically uh, in Second Sa- yep, Second Samuel 10, when he's talking about uh, David and his bearded brothers uh, who took over, Jer- or, uh, took over uh, a few uh, pagans. Uh, and so, so here's, here's the deal. Uh, essentially in this article, a beard resembles uh, God, ma- God-given masculinity. And, and he's giving an argument for why uh, beards are a good thing, why men should grow beards out, and why you know, it's ultimately the more godly physical characteristic over a clean-shaven face. So with, with all that contextualization, I'm going to turn it over to my friends here. Um, and guys, what do, what do we think? What do we think of this article? This one quote sticks out to me. Um, of course, on the face of it, beards hold no salvific, salvific design, nor are they commanded. Even the shaved can be saved. Nor do beards makes, makes us men. Some boys live in a basement, addicted to video games, and... Can I say this word? P-O-R-N? Is that something I can say? Yeah, porn? Yeah, yeah, I just didn't know if they were like little... Yeah. You know. Some boys live in a basement, addicted to video games and porn, grow beards. That is uh, Patrick Stock Millie. Uh, but here we walk a fine line. Does this then relegate the beard, the ancient landmark, to matter of obsolete decoration or more preference? 
I just I just love I I, I chose this quote because of that one sentence. Even the shaved can be saved. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. To it's me. just funny because it's like, I know he's trying to be funny, but it just feels like he doesn't actually think that. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like hope he's not joking because it'd make it funnier <laughs> if he wasn't. Well, well make it even funnier is his boss is John Piper and he has not, it does not have a beard. John Piper yeah. is a clean shaven dude. Well, he has a beard of the spirit, essentially, is what he's getting at, right? Yeah, my favorite chapter break or block quote is the section that he titled what of the beardless <laughs> it's just the first part <laughs> the connection between manhood and unknown cheeks today has flowed down through church history like oil running down the beard of aaron see psalm 133 verse 2 <laughs> like the audacity to make a historically theological argument and then pair it with scripture i don't think he's making a theological argument i think he's correlating tr- church tradition and the, the theological significance of beards, <laughs> like he goes, he moves down. He's like Augustine, quoting on Psalm one thirty three, writes, "The beard signifies the courageous. The beard distinguishes the grown men, the earnest, the active, the vigorous. So that when we describe such, we say he is a bearded man." Yeah, this just reminds me. Uh, I'm sure this guy is just trying to be funny uh, with a little bit of uh, truth. Let's talk about the photo that they decided to go with this. This looks like one of those like sexy Jesuses. Uh, Wait, where do you where do you see that at? at very top. Oh, the very top. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm seeing like a sexy Jesus sexy. kind of vibes. Uh, like they the say words. that this is an 11 minute read. Um, no, it's I, not. <laughs> you know, uh, you can listen to it. So uh, this was posted on August 22nd, 2022. So at the time of this recording, that was exactly seven days ago, a week ago from today. So yeah, you you can knock that out in eleven minutes. Uh, but yeah, really funny article. Uh, and if you and if you don't have a beard, maybe you should you know ask yourself why. And if yeah. it's just genetics, then maybe you were born in sin. Mm. So. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> what about the gospel? <laughs> oh, gospel, where art thou? <laughs> if you don't have a beard, you'll never know. Oh, um, I think it's so funny that the uh, the picture of the bearded guy on the front of the article. Definitely looks like he spends a majority of his time sermon prepping at an independent coffee shop ordering avocado toast. <laughs> and uh, also, the guy who wrote the article, I mean, dude's got a solid beard, but we got to talk about that hairline. Yeah, yeah. Can I roast somebody <laughs> like that on this podcast? Is that, is that acceptable? No, let's hold off on it. Dang it. Uh, but yeah, the guy that they chose to represent the beard, he does look like he'd steal your girlfriend in a coffee shop for sure. Mm-hmm. He looks like the type of guy that'd be like, hey, where's my hug at? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's my hug at? Yeah. Oh, hug. Sure. I was like, what's a hug? Uh, but that's really funny. So yeah, guys, as I've been thinking uh, in this season, I'm pretty sick of the heat. Uh, it's almost thick boy season, as Connor likes to call it, which means uh, <laughs> us as us boys with the extra extra love on us um, get to wear clothes that are cool looking. Uh, and uh, you know, nicer than making us look a little, little, little more on our element. I I love the cold. Boys, if it was always thirty degrees and under, I'd be so happy. Boys, I don't have any summer clothing. Yeah, neither do I. Like, I don't. I, don't, I only, don't thrive in the summer. I only have two shorts: khaki shorts and black shorts. Like, that's all I have. Yeah, I just love thick boy season because I just become a shapeshifter. Yeah, you people really look do. at me like Sunday school. You be yo. on everybody, baby. I'm like, mm-hmm. people will be looking like, yo, is he like? Is he thick? Is he slim thick? Like, what's going on? 
<laughs> um, sorry, I have to cut this. So the salsa that's on the table in front of me smells like really potent, and I keep thinking it's my armpits. Uh, and so I might was, be those. <laughs> so I was smelling myself, Wait. and I hope that the, the 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 mic didn't catch it. Oh, you say we're cutting this? No, no, no. it's fine. We can keep it going. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just really funny. <laughs> it was funny. So here's something I've been thinking about recently. We both we all believe that exegesis and studying the scriptures is important. But something I've been thinking about recently, and this derives from I'm reading uh, the book of Joel right now. Oh, cool. And uh, I'm just reading it, and in you know chapter one, and I'm just summarizing. God's like, hey, has has like stop and look at your situation for a second has there ever been anything quite like this happening to y'all and it it, and god is saying this in a way of like imploring them to like kind of like hey wake up like you're in sin and my wrath is coming repent and i guess my question is do you think people tend to over analyze the text to the point where they're almost reading into it unintentionally like you might be approaching the text with really good intentions but you might be overcomplicating something that might actually just have a very simple meaning are we uh, talking specifically in like a teaching setting or more of like a personal devotion type setting well i think it can go both right because if we're being students of the word then our i, I think te- being able to talk about what we're studying and teaching are very similar in the sense where we're expressing like how we've comprehended what we've read you know yeah yeah I, i've got a lot to say on kind of what you just said but yeah, i'm gonna go ahead and pass it off to daily and riff on it no i mean yeah that's a good question um right now i'm trying to trying to uh learn on the topic of like how what do i take as application and what do i not you know that that's where i'm that's where I'm at. And so, because um, I don't want to take something that's like, it sounds good, you know, like, as in this house, we will worship the Lord. You know, like, I read that recently in, in uh, uh, Josh, was it Joshua? Joshua 22? Yeah. I read, I read that recently, and, uh, you know, you see that in everyone's houses. Is that okay to take? Is that okay? Like, like there's a context behind that. Can I use that in my own life? Right? Um so that's what I'm trying to figure out because you know you don't want to just use like Philippians <clears throat> Philippians 4.13 like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength right? amen right you don't want to use that for like different things like like, like working out yeah you gotta know <laughs> you gotta know the top the, the context so that's what I'm struggling through so so point being um I'm, I'm trying to figure that out I don't know if I should be I don't know if I'm overanalyzing a text if I'm not um Sometimes I feel like I'm uh, I I don't do it as much. Mm-hmm. Like I, I read, um, you know, going through Joshua, and I was like, oh, what did you think the point of that was? I'm just like I, I have no idea. I thought it was cool, but so uh, right now I'm trying to analyze it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, studying a text. I mean, it's it's difficult. I mean, it's definitely a muscle you work out, and I think. I think this is also the important of like, you know, you guys are doing the Bible reading plan, going through the Bible in a year, mm-hmm. just kind of at your own pace or whatever. And doing that, I think, is probably one of the most beneficial um, resources that a Christian has available to themselves. 
because if you don't understand the full counsel of God's word, or at least have a rough idea of the grand redemptive narrative story that is the Bible mm-hmm. um, and God's revealing of himself to to his people, then you're going to have a really hard time understanding the importance of a lot of things. So right. Of course, commentaries and like Greek lexicons and uh, Hebrew um, interlinear Bibles are very important and very helpful for you know word studies and looking at semantic fields knowing your bible and the significance of things um around it like i feel like are the essential guardrail for not under reading or over reading a text right like example i'm going through joel right now and i'm sitting there trying to think like very deeply about the text and which there's nothing wrong with that meditating and like right. you know going through it and you know making sure that i understand what's happening historically um that's a little hard with the book of Joel. I mean, we have a good idea of where it might have taken place in history, but it's one of the less um, historically well-known books mm-hmm. of the Bible. Um, but we know that it happened before um, Judah got absolutely wrecked by Babylon. Um, and actually, I think time period-wise, it took place before uh, Israel was overtaken by the Assyrians. Right. And so you Cause, have... Because it's really a... a oh, Assyria's <laughs> agreeing with you, bro. Syria identifies Assyrians as an ancient heard, pagan nation. I heard you say Assyrians, and but <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but I think it's important, kind of what you said. And I think sorry to interrupt you, but like Joel is really just a book of promises and, and rebuke to the yeah. people. So like like that's why like Peter in the book of Acts quotes Joel to prove the existence of the Messiah, the passing of the Messiah is mm-hmm. done, right? So like I just wanted to like affirm what you're saying is like. You have to understand where scripture is going, where it already has been, and its chronology to understand why the book is even unfolding. Are you suggesting that we use scripture to interpret scripture? Whoa! Surprisingly, I think I think I am. Yeah. Whoa, (laughs) that's crazy. I'm just going to let him say that's what we should do. (laughs) Who would have thought it's a unified book about God's redemptive plan for mankind? That's wild. Oh, and I read the message. So, and God's glory in salvation through judgment. Hallelujah. (laughs) <laughs> um, so here, here's a good example. So in Joel chapter one, let's see. Yeah, I'll just start. Uh, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethula, Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, give ear all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. And then God explains what that thing is that they should be talking about. And that's the fact that their land is completely desolated right now. Like the Lord has brought famine and hardship on the people of Israel because they are, they are wicked and living in sin and they're living unrepentantly. And we see throughout redemptive history that God uses famines to um, as, as judgment um, to cause his people to move um you know ruth is a good example of this naomi leaving the uh, the land um to the moabite or to the land of the moabites and living there until the famine passes and you know that's how the book of ruth carries out so <clears throat> a couple different ways the lord uses um famine um in the biblical narrative mm-hmm. but in this particular case you know i think without over analyzing the lord's plainly saying like Wake up, guys. Right. Like, do you not see the devastation that I brought upon your land because of your iniquity? Yeah. You know, like, 
like take like listen mm. listen to my voice look at your circumstances look where your sin has brought you and how many times has God done that in the Bible that, I like mean, so many times yeah and so I've and what my point with that is like I'm looking at that text and I'm trying to find more than what's there right and I could probably cross-reference that text and find more significance in another text building off of that one um, and I could you know make implications of you know like hey this is a good I maybe a good exercise for me to do is to be more practical about taking time to quiet my heart and observe my the season of life that I'm in and you know really just investigate my soul and work out my salvation with fear and trembling right because um, obviously I'm not an Israelite I don't live in the ancient Near East I'm not a Hebrew person I'm not under the old covenant um, and we're not really in a famine we've never really known famine uh, praise praise God for that but um, you know that's I, that was a good example of me getting caught up in wanting to overanalyze a text when it doesn't really beg for it to happen yeah so the, I think I think what Connor's trying to get at just for our listeners as as people as humans we have the tendency that when we come before a text to look for things that aren't there um and that's me just you know i'm not trying to be brutal or 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 like mean um there can be right so there's like i think where the christian should start is what is this text saying at its most basic form or as as wit would say like what is the main point Mm -hmm. right um and so like if you were to take all of your own current life situation, if you were to take all of like the the desire to make it devotional or the the possibility for there to even be implications, what is the text saying to its original audience in light of redemptive history? Um, and sadly, what happens a lot, and this is you know, I, I even struggle saying this on the podcast because I don't want to come off as like I know more or like. You know, I've got this all figured out. But you did. You go to Southern Seminary. <laughs> no. The. No, it's actually the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, but what happens is, is a lot of times, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too, we come to the text um, extracting things there that um, aren't, aren't really there. So, like, if I went to Joel 1, right, I have it right here in front of me on my computer, and I, and I went to verse 5, and I was like, and I read, Awake, you drunkards, and weep. And wail all you drinkers of wine because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. Okay, I like alcohol. Therefore, after reading verse 5, I should never drink alcohol again because I can't handle it. And because of that, uh, because this verse 5 is saying that, that, that because I like wine, I'm a drunkard. Therefore, now my application and my application off this text is that I should never like abstain wine. And anybody who does drink wine is now in sin and uh, should not, right? I I off of the text of scripture, I just made a bunch of implicative jumps uh, to come to a conclusion that's probably not wise. Hmm. Now I could come to this text and be like, "Awake, you drunkards, and weep." Wow. Uh, in light of a Eliz- initial context, uh, this is saying. You know, they are in sin. They're blinded by their own sin. I am a sinful person. This would be an example of a good implication. Where in my life am I blinded to my own sin? 
Right. Where am I being drunk with wine? Where am I operating like Israel with a rebellious heart and not allowing myself to, to, to view God in light of his glory? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this week I was really insensitive and, and brutal and aggressive with my wife verbally. Okay, I need to repent of that. That would be a good implication, right? Another good example of this would be like if you were reading the Abraham-Isaac narrative of Isaac being sacrificed before the Lord. You know, it'd be like a father reading that text and being like, hmm, they hiked. I need to go on some more hikes with my son. Hmm. That's, that's, that's about the, you know, when that's not at all what that text is about. But that's the implication that you could draw from it if you're just reading text to pull um, applicatory implications. Topical out. preaching. Yeah, well, topical preaching is a good point that, you know, that's the danger, right, of just kind of superseding your own thoughts into it. But there's multiple pieces. I'm just going to keep going with my dog in the background. There's there's multiple pieces at play. Keep going. And uh, I think, you know, you have your own bias. You have pulling things out of the text that aren't there. Uh, when a lot of scripture is just kind of being knowledgeable of where you are in light of redemptive history, and it kind of come together. Um, also, just personal personal antidote. If you're reading a book and you're trying to read a text and you're like, I don't know what this text means, uh, zoom out and think about what the point of the entire book is. And then usually that's the point of the text just with some more specific of a detail. That's good. thousand percent. Pretty much what we're saying is don't skip Leviticus in your Bible reading plan. Because <laughs> there's a lot of juicy content in there. Yeah, yeah. And then when, you know, when, when Jesus tells you to gouge out your eye, maybe your, your practical application isn't to just go and gouge out your eye. Maybe it's just to fight sin faithfully. Amen. Amen. That's good. I, I skip, like, the whole, like, description of the map. In Joshua. Oh, like the, the, the land survey? The land survey. Oh, my goodness. But then you get to right. Judges right. and the Book of Kings and, and all it's these. It's so important. Yeah, and all these invasions. <laughs> and, and I realized, yeah, I was like. And all these invasions. Yeah. And you're like, well, you know, you know, we're going like, through First Samuel at yeah. church right now. Shout out. Sorry. I didn't know you were talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew you were talking. <laughs> I didn't know you were still talking. <laughs> I didn't know you were still Yo. Keep going. I'm sorry. Anyways, um, so we're going through First Samuel in our evening services on Sundays, mm-hmm. and we get to um, when when Saul had just been anointed king, and the people. First Samuel ten. First Samuel ten, and we have the issue where I can't remember which pagan nation it was. Um, they're in a they're in an Israelite territory, mm-hmm. but if you didn't read the text and didn't know you know how if, if you didn't if you didn't read something like joshua like plotting out and divvying up the land mm-hmm. amongst the um tribes of israel you might not know that that land belonged to israel and that's why this is such a big problem for the people or even like something even more basic um like if you didn't know that rahab was a gentile mm-hmm. you wouldn't understand the theological significance of her being spared by the Israelites in Joshua. That's right. <clears throat> it's like when um, uh, Wit was uh, taking me through Matthew, and in the first chapter is just the genealogy. You want to skip that. It's like a bunch of names you don't understand. But then he, you start realizing, 
all this is leading up to Christ, uh, which 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 proves that he comes from the Davidic line, that he is the true the true reign. Amen. You know, and, and so that's yeah, it's all these names, all list of names, repetitive, but it all has a point. That's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, I would encourage people uh, if you're new to. Honestly, Christianity, uh, I'm going to challenge you pretty aggressively to maybe read the book of Hebrews. Uh, because the book of Hebrews, this kind of whole idea of what we're talking about, uh, you know, redemptive history, the, the larger point. Um, what was the role of the Israelites in light of redemptive history? What What is the mystery of the gospel that Paul talks about in Ephesians 3? What is typology and what is allegory? And how do all these things play a part in the beautiful masterpiece that is scripture? Um, Hebrews really spells that out. So I would encourage you to maybe consider just reading that, uh, sitting down this weekend uh, and just literally listening to it on the Dwell Bible app. Shout out. Why are we sponsored by the Met? I know, I know, dude. I'm trying to get them to sponsor us. Like 30 views. I don't understand why yeah. we're not getting them. <laughs> <laughs> and then just, just, just meditate on that. Guys, I, th- I thought that was a great a great um, topic. So thank Good you, Connor, for bringing that. Sponsored by CC's Pizza. <laughs> Um, I've got uh, something interesting that we can discuss. Um, so I was kind of talking with Sierra uh, this week, and we've been discussing a lot of, you know, just through through reading and stuff. Um, my mind just went blank. It's okay. You were yeah. discussing through, ooh, voice crack, that was brutal. <laughs> See how I feel? You were, discuss- <laughs> you, you were discussing through reading. Come on. I see it. I see the thoughts floating around. Hey, look at me. Literally right Pat, there. Pat, look at me. It's right there. See? Yeah, I got it. There we go. We were discussing, uh, in light of some of our own church hurt, uh, one of the books that I'm reading for seminary, Mark Driscoll, was quoted in, and the unfortunate thing that Matt Chandler experienced uh, oh, this dude. week. Um, just the integral weight of authority, and, um, you know, I actually think the match in my situation was handled beautifully. Um, I think so. So, so far. Um, but, um, guys, what is the weight of pastoral authority? And we don't have to get too deep about this, uh, but kind of like, I don't know. I, I'm trying to figure out how to talk about this. I'm trying to figure out how to ask a question, but I don't know if there's really a question to ask. I just want to get, kind of get you guys a riff on this kind of consistency that we've seen in our camps um, theologically. You know, like in the, honestly, in the SBC. Like the SBC is kind of known for this, sadly. Um, we, you know, we've got the whole investigation that happened of all the sex abuse and a, a, a ton of different things. So, yeah, just I'm going to open the floor up to you guys. Uh, talk about it as you will. Uh, but let's just bring it to light. Could you maybe rephrase that question? Because it, it, it's very broad, so I'm trying to, like, narrow it down to a better answer. Because I don't want to just okay. know, word vomit. Man, why is it that... When a pastor fails, it hurts their congregation. I think if I was a not a not a believer, it'd be hard for me to feel bad for. It'd be hard for me to feel bad for like like churches who go through that. You know, like I just wouldn't be able to see it. Um, and so why why is it that pastoral authority has this this weight to it? that somehow when a pastor has a moral failure or something happens or some sort of scandal, why is it that the people of God that are under that per- that shepherd's care, 
why is it, why do they feel that? Like, why does it hurt them? Yeah. Um, wow. Good so question. I think it's important to remember that pastors are sheep just like the rest of the church. So I think that we get this inflated idea that pastors are above sinning. Yeah. Right. And, and they're not, they are called to live above reproach and they're held to a higher standard because they've been called by God to be set apart, to be an example of what other Christians should be like. Right. So like you get Matthew five, the Sermon on the Mount, essentially what Jesus is saying is like the kingdom of God is like this and the people in this kingdom have these qualities right and so these are qualities that all sheep should exercise and pastors are sheep just like the rest of the flock they're just under shepherds appointed by christ to care for the souls of the congregation that being said and although they're called to above approach they're just as susceptible to sin as us right and i think knowing that we should have more grace for pastors who fail understand that it still is weighty right because they are set aside to be an example of what God's sheep are supposed to look like. And so when they do fail, especially now, I mean, you fail, it's a national thing now. It's no yeah. longer it's no longer, you know, a moral failing and, you know, the two hundred people in your town know about it. Now two hundred million people can know yeah. about it in thirty seconds. You know, I mean praise God with the Matt Chandler situation that it it was handled well. The by, others were super faithful in that. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they didn't take any chances, right? Because I'm sure that that exact thing, that that exact same thing that Matt Chandler did, is being done by oh, yeah. hundreds of pastors. Oh, unfortunately, yeah. hundreds of pastors yeah. throughout the world, and it, either the elders are unaware of it, or the elders don't care enough to to bring it to light. Mm-hmm. And and I was honestly like when I thought when I actually watched the Matt Chandler confession this morning. I was reminded of verse 28 of Acts 20 when Paul talking to the Ephesian elders, um, you know, his like farewell, I guess, addressed to them. This is actually a sermon text that was preached on Sunday. Uh, Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So it's a weighty, like it's not... Like, it's nothing, you're not messing around. No. You know, so, like, and God takes this stuff seriously. And I saw a criticism on a, you know, stinks, social media sucks. But, like, I saw this criticism where it was, like, well, it just sounds like Matt Chandler was having, you know, platonic conversation with a woman. It sounds like these elders are pretty prudish. Hmm. And, And kind of my thought to that is, like, no, maybe they're just really trying to care for a brother and hold their eldership in, in really high esteem. Care for the brother and care for the church. Yeah, again, like this goes back to, you know, all Christians are called to flee from the appearance of sin, right? Yeah. So, you know, and this, this has many applications depending on context. You know, that might mean, you know, for us, like drinking in public, mm-hmm. right? Um, maybe not for everyone yeah. but for us again d- I said like it's got wide application and it's very it, it can be very individualistic but something something like that like having a conversation even like even if his wife knew about it um, you know sin crouches at the door waiting to come in 
mm. and, and sin is always looking for a backdoor entrance into your heart. Yeah, and, I uh, love, I love, I'm so sorry, because I, I love that Matt Chandler said, the fact that I was even engaging with it yeah. raised red flags for the elders, mm. and I think they were right. Yeah. Connor, I want to go back to what you said about um, how pastors are sheep too, and that, uh, you know, they're not over the word. You know, Chandler says that in this article, he says, we cannot be a church where anyone is above the scriptures and above the high heavenly calling to Christ Jesus. The word of God holds me to, to a certain standard, and I fell short. So I think it's a blessing that he's humble about it. You know, he's very humble about it. And he, and although it hurts, although, it, although it's hard to admit that he did such a thing, um, he, showed, he, he, he himself says, like, no one should be about the word of God. I think that's really good. Amen. And this just goes to show, like, pray for your pastors. Check up on them. Yeah. You know, there's obviously going to be not a disconnect, but, you know, your pastor, his relationship to other members of his church is going to be one that is familiar and friendly, but there is going to be, I don't know, is reverence the right word I'm looking for? Like, there, there, there is a separation. Like, right, they... Yeah, I think I like, think it's just like a, there, a respect or yeah, a separation like of reverence, a, sorry, a, a separation of authority. Yeah, that's right? a good point. Yeah, um, because they're called to exercise that. Yeah, we see that in Hebrews. Yeah, honor your leaders. and yeah. and we should be praying that they do that well. You know, you shouldn't go on a ship and hope that the captain sinks it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and then you you definitely shouldn't criticize. You know, when a ship does sink, right? Like, you 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 aren't manning the boat. You can't man the boat. Um, right. That might be a bad, a poor, a poor uh, example, but just remember that they're people too, and like, yeah, they are called to a higher standard, but you know, we're yeah. called. I mean, essentially, we should be striving for the same standard. Exactly. And I feel like there are a lot of Christians, and I'm sure that I'm guilty of this too, who live in a little pocket of hypocrisy, where it's fun to watch pastors fail morally, and then call them hypocrites, call them you know wolves or mm-hmm. you know whatever slanderous things that you can say about that person but it's like i'm lazy in my faith yeah and like this pastor had this moral failure and i have moral failures on a minute to minute basis like yeah like pray for your pastors y'all don't you know they're not perfect dude pastors have it hard man that's why they, there's so many suicidal rates with pastors so yeah. so so much it's a burdensome task. I mean, that's why less people are taking up the office of overseer. Yeah. I think, I think like, you know, just something that I did a long time ago. Uh, if you haven't visited, ESV.org is really cool because you get the Bible there, but you can actually, there's a search bar in the top right corner, and you can actually just search words and just read all the scriptures that have that word in it. And if you, if you did, like, a search for elder or elders and you just skip to the New Testament, I mean, obviously, you could, if you want to do, like, a full biblical theology, you could read all the Old Testament stuff. But since we're talking specifically about the church now and the church age, um, it'd be really beneficial just to read specifically how Paul talks about the office of overseer and elder um and so amen to that uh care for your church care for your pastors um so amen amen well uh two serious topics back to back guys not like us uh but i think they were good they were good conversations yeah i like them a lot really fruitful really good
we're, we're <laughs> those first, right now. I feel like that was our first awkward silence that yeah. we've ever had. That was, that was some dead air time right there. <laughs> Yo, that was awkward. Kind of like, kind of like the girls on last episode. Oh. Sheesh. Dang. You guys did great. Dang. You really did. Um, sweet, we can man. reminisce on... We're getting old, guys. <laughs> like I'm thinking Speak about, yourself, man. I'm, I'm the youngest one in this room. I'm thinking about bed right now, <laughs> and we have to go out to eat after this. Dude, I'm seven twenty-three. You're fine. Bread? No bed. Bed. I come. I mean, honestly, like bread too. <laughs> at this cama. point, cama. I, sobre la cama. Hey, you huh? stop that. <laughs> you know I don't like when you talk about me in Spanish. <laughs> wow. In a podcast. Yeah, um, I want to let you guys know. I was so hungry that I was <laughs> I was literally dipping um, Euro bread into spicy salsa. Yeah. Euro bread is just pita. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get roasted for that so hard <laughs> by somebody. My guy thinks he's Greek. Jason's going to be listening to this on his drive to Greenville. <laughs> and they're just thinking like, wow, that kid's so stupid. Okay, sweet. Well, here we go. Closing question. Since since uh, Dayling said that he, I think I'm Greek, what uh, what is your favorite cuisine that's not American and not your ethnicity? I, I was just saying, I'm Greek. I love some Greek cuisine, man. I like pizza. I, <laughs> oh, my God. I, I feel like Greek food's a little <laughs> bit out of my reach because I feel like a lot of it's centered around cheese um, <laughs> and dairy in general. and So Italian's yeah. out the door... Yeah, <laughs> my digestive system's pretty garbage. Maybe should be hibachi though. You're I, a big Japanese guy. Yeah, but here's my thing: is like I'm sure that like the hibachi I eat's not actually like real Japanese food. Sure. Like I feel like it's, it's kind of like the Tex-Mex equivalent. So yeah. I can't really say that I'm a very cultured eater. Yeah, like, people at all. sleep on uh, like really, really, really good English food. I know everyone's like, like what English cuisine. I'm talking like England, like like English pub food, Hunter's chicken, uh, potatoes and mash. Great, dude. What's that one thing called? Shepherd's pie. No. Um, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I you were to find What's out. that no, one the, thing uh, called? Uh, man, it's it's like meat, it's steak, but it's like covered in like breading. Oh my they cut it up it looks beef wellington beef wellington i want to try that yeah yeah yeah. gordon ramsay shout out gordon ramsay that looks so good where's the sponsorship where's the lamb sauce (laughs) what are you an idiot sandwich oh hey speaking of um none of these topics can we just talk about how terrible marvel's like movies have been recently whoa yeah specifically the she-hulk thing okay I, not necessarily the storyline. Well, I, I will say Doctor Strange, <laughs> the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness script was the most abysmal thing hey, I've sucks. listened to in a it while. It was pretty horrible. The CGI is terrible was, right now. Horrible, yeah. This is like I'm just really disappointed in Marvel on a lot of levels. I'm, I'm yeah. excited for they're sure. They're acting like they're acting like Star Wars, honestly. I'm excited. Disney <laughs> does not do Star Wars well. Isn't it sad that we have to use Star Wars as a derogatory term now? It, it's abysmal. Okay, but I Obi-Wan, said that Obi-Wan's twice. good. Obi Wan. For Obi-Wan me, scratched a lot of itches for me. That's Obi-Wan was a 3 out of 10. Yeah. 3 yeah. out of 10? No, hold on. Let me finish. I know that's oh, going to be a trigger word. I don't word. want you to finish. No, no, no. Stop, stop. Let me hate. I'm a, I'm a professional <laughs> hater. Um, it was a 3 out of 10 for me, and the only thing that really saved it was the final fight scene between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan, and the dialogue that happened there mm. was emotionally brutal. 
and satisfying at the same time. And that elevated it back up to an 8 out of 10. Okay. But, like, that duel alone. I'll take that. Yeah. It, but, like, everything else, I'm just like, dude. No, I mean, true. Who gives a crap about these characters? Why are they important? Nobody cares about them. <laughs> I just feel like you come from a different presupposition when doing Star Wars as Dayling does. Dayling's just happy to have Star I'm just, Wars. Yeah, I'm just happy it's there. <laughs> That's weak. Now, although, I will say, I, I, I hated the, the cyborgs and um, Boba Fett. No, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. So Dude. for me, like I, I struggle to like, like I will always go see every Marvel movie and every Star Wars movie. Y'all both know. I'm and that's how they this. get you. Y'all both know where I'm going with this. Your, your eyes are gonna be like, oh my gosh, you about to say this. There we go. I just like. <laughs> okay, if you went and saw Spider-Man No Way Home, oh like God. don't, <laughs> don't, don't. I hope you don't get offended. That's my favorite movie. But like, like I get it. Like it was cool to see all the Spider-Mans together. The fighting was awesome. And, like, it was a cool movie. But just from, like, a cinematic perspective... Just from a cinematic perspective? <laughs> like, here. when you invalidate the entire plot at the end of the movie, it's what, just so hard what, for what me. Plot? What well, plot was invalidated? Tell me. Yeah, he doesn't even know. If they could just wipe the memory of everyone else and solve problems through Doctor Strange's powers, why not do it at the beginning? Because there wouldn't be a movie. Exactly my point. My, my guy, <laughs> I want to see a movie. There's no... Like so, I I heard it well put by uh I can't believe I'm about to quote him. Okay, ben Shapiro? no, no, it was a movie movie <laughs> critic. It actually was Ben Shapiro, but I'm like, yeah, I knew it. The reason I, that yeah, he the reason that he didn't like uh the Batman movie was because the hurdle for every superhero movie is you have what makes a good superhero movie is you prove to the audience why there is a need for that superhero in the given context. So why is Nolan's Dark Knight so good? It's because it makes so much sense because of how dark Gotham is that that Batman is needed in that context. Like you can't you can't argue with it. Like Gotham is so bad. We saw how dark it was in the new Batman movie. Well, in the new Batman movie, the problem was that like that Batman, the detective style Batman, uh-huh. the way that they wrote Robert Pattinson. I think Robert Pattinson did a great job Incredible. as an actor. But I think he was given a horrible script because he had to act like a Batman who didn't want to be Batman. But he... Batman... <laughs> it's like what he but did. That yeah, is Batman. Like, it's like emo Batman. Wait, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But hold on. That is... No, that's no, that's not Batman. That In the comics, and that comic specifically, yes, that is... He, he has this internal struggle. And we already go through all the origin story. We, we go through him being the the hero guy. But like, my guy, my guy is depressed. Yeah, well, I, I just don't think it was written well. Okay, all right. Because ultimately, while I agree with you, that is his, like, initial heart posture. Mm-hmm. Like, he maintains that the entire time, even when he's, like, fighting them. Like, he literally looks like he's just upset the entire movie. Something's <laughs> in the way. Yeah, I'll never get over that scene where he's at the uh, the funeral, and he's just staring at that kid. Yeah. <laughs> so intently, just, like, gazing at him. But um, I get what you're saying, though, because, you know, usually, traditionally, like, storytelling with... Uh, like a movie or even a book it, it you know usually re- revolves around like the concept of like man versus man man versus self or like man versus nature and when you start dabbling multiple are you impressed that I knew that you're looking at me with a lot of like yeah, a lot that was of in my like, lit, like 540 class that was dude, like I my, just, <laughs> that was my dude, I just class. saw fireworks go off in your eyes I think you just <laughs> fell in love with me all over again <laughs> Um, well, well the, it's 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 the exact sorry to interrupt. It's the exact problem with the new Star Wars trilogy. Like we don't have a reason for Rey. I'm yeah. with you on that. <laughs> well, even the, even the writers agreed. They're like, yeah, we have no idea where we were going with I, this. There's no point and to I'm have like, Rey. 
Yeah. No, I, was... I mean, there's no point in having this new trilogy. Yeah. The prophecy was fulfilled. Yeah. It was fulfilled go. with Darth Vader. They should have started a new saga. Something. Yeah. yeah. There was no point. Yeah, why are we going forward? There's so much, like, behind. There's so much potential with Star Wars. Disney just sucks at it. Well, they really like, do. Like, like, Kylo Ren was a great character, but my thing, like, from a writing perspective is, like, give him a give him a worthy Jedi. You know, like... Boys, this, yeah. is, this is fun. Homeboy trained <laughs> with Grandmaster Luke Skywalker for 13 years and got punked by and, a dude that's never touched a laser sword in his life. Yeah, dude. Yeah, what? for real. And then, and then gets punked by another person who's never done any lightsaber combat and while i'm riffing and just getting really angry about this on top of it the whole broadsword concept of, like the lightsaber combat in the new trilogy is garbage yeah it is yeah. it's like so heavy like, yeah like, it would have like, been a lightsaber cool. it would have yeah. been cool if one person did it yeah and it was just kylo's like their style his style yeah but he would have gotten clapped by any other jedi yeah. ever yeah he's like in the middle of swinging his broadsword and obi-wan <laughs> you, just you like, know not super consistent i'm yeah. like oh that's weird <laughs> you know what you know what style if i don't want to see in a star wars movie uh, the fighting style and Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, like traditional lightsabers. Jeez. <laughs> like so good. Jedi. Yeah. So okay. yeah. I, well, I think part of that too is. Um, never mind. I'm gonna start geeking out. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold myself yeah. back. Yeah. We'll have. Uh, we'll go. We'll do the parishioners banter uh, on the Millennium Falcon or something. We'll do like a cool like. Wait, Star Wars special. We'll do like a cool the Millennium Star Wars banter. We should do a reaction. Sh- uh, channel. Yeah, yeah. When, like yeah. when a cool trailer comes out. That'll be fun. It. Um, we're showing our cards right now that we're actually nerds though so that's okay that's good. yeah um, speaking of that um, oh no I forgot what I was going to say it's okay man that's I think, really I think we're tough. at a good time to stop though really sweet well um, Before we do, since no one did it uh, I've been checking oh. the emails guys we want to hear what you guys are interested in we want to talk about things we want to answer right. questions uh, blow up our email, uh, the parishioners banter at no, gmail.com. Just parishioners. Oh, banter. just parishioners banter. Maybe that's why we didn't get any emails. Not quote just parishioners banter, just parishioners banter at gmail.com. Yeah. So here's the thing is I haven't checked the email today and I'm kind of hoping. I'm just going on the limit. <laughs> no one emailed us, bro. What if, what if they did? You know? Maybe Adrian did. While you're looking, can I tell you that I bought a chicken sandwich from Kangaroo today, and oh, it wasn't wow. the worst thing I've ever Probably eaten. Right. Yeah, I'm actually really good. It wasn't great, but it was the first thing I ate after my run, and I was absolutely Why? gassed. Well, I was running late for work. Okay, that's fair. Like that run hit me so hard that I missed my exit to get to work, and I was almost late. Shout out fan of the week, Adrian. Thousand percent. Yeah, he did a kickflip for owe me. Him, Seth. We have one other thing that's going on in our lives that we share in common right now, What's and that? that's the reason why we're recording on Monday nights, is because on Tuesday nights mm. we're being academics again. That's right. Well, Speak for Pat, yourself. Baby. Yeah, Pat never stopped. <laughs> Pat's Pat's running an academic marathon right now. <laughs> He's going so hard. He's so so we're doing a class. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? I said you so prideful about it. Some Southern boys, man. They can't help that's it. That's what I'm saying. Part of what we're calling shout out, shout out, Mason, shout out, Thomas. Yeah. Wait, hold on. You're calling them prideful now. That's not. No, I'm just kidding. They're not prideful. You guys are great. You don't even listen to this podcast, so it doesn't even matter what I say. <laughs> <laughs> even though we talk about it to you every Sunday, but um, yeah, we're doing a theology emissions class um through our beloved Doctor Pastor David Keen, mm. 
And yeah, he's Dr. Pastor Dave Keen when he's in that context, but we would never call him that at church. That's yeah, kind of never. Fun to call him Dr. Dave. <laughs> uh, it's Dr. Keen, actually. Dr. Keen. But, um, what are you guys most excited about for this class? And to give you context, listeners, the classes on the church gathered and governed. So ecclesiology. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. that's that's what I'm talking about right here, them Southern boys. I'm just <laughs> correcting to, you all the time. I'm just excited to master this topic. Really, that's all. I, I just I just want to um someone asked me about the church, why it's important. I just wanna know. I just wanna know why. I, I know why now, but I, I can tell you what the what scriptures directly say about it you know what i mean like 100 from memory things like that that's what i'm excited for what about you pat uh for me it's definitely the relationships i uh, i think that one of the best ways that you can grow in your relationships with fellow church members or uh people that are your age um is is just sharpening one another and um debating about stuff figuring out what you believe, reading books together. Yeah. Um, our culture wants us to think that it's better to just be good, like like to, to just be like group thinking, like-minded and stuff. Like, but when you get into an academic context and you have to defend what you believe, uh, it just, it really stretches you. And so I'm really, uh, I'm excited for those kind of conversations. Yeah. I'll answer, but that also makes me think of another thing that I've been thinking about throughout the week. So I'll answer what I'm most excited about, and I think that's just to exercise the academic muscle again. I feel, yeah. like a, I feel like that bad boy's been pretty dormant for the past two years, and so I'm excited to kind of jump back on that. Yeah, because you're thinking about going back to Bible college. So that's exciting. That was the way you said that yeah, was so demeaning. That's so mean, bro. It's not seminary. You <laughs> don't study as hard as I was like, like, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm it's called you. the College at Southeastern, darn it. I'm kidding. I don't Anyways. know about Connor. He's probably not kidding. <laughs> Anyways, but to what you're saying about the like, I think that was something really special about the spring semester was the the deeper relationships that were formed. And me and I Madison agree. were talking about this recently that we've just like have a deeper love for our church. Um, and I said something along the lines of like, I think that that really sparked for me through vacation Bible school, which sounds silly, but no, guys no. serve your local church with other people and you'll like watch your church blossom mm-hmm. um for sure especially people that like you don't hang out with thousand percent boys we gotta end this thanks for keeping us on track good Dylan. time oh yeah uh, well it's as always we've, we've wandered uh through a plethora of different topics uh thank you so much and uh we're out first oh. out love you oh.